This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're doing a series called Mottos and, and Mantras. Just as a reminder that you can submit your favorite motto or, or mantra. And at the end of the, of the series, end of the month, I will, I will pick one of those. I'm looking for the one that, if there's one that shows up more popular, and of course, if one that's preachable, we'll, we'll preach off of it. But uh, you can submit one. Last week we did, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And uh, this one, I've, I've got an old one here for you. This one's really old. Uh, in fact, it's hundreds of years old. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Nothing ventured, nothing gained is credited to Geoffrey Chaucer, who was an English author and poet who wrote the Canterbury Tales, and this was first seen in the Canterbury Tales in the 1300s. So this one's been around for a while. And oftentimes when, when some of these mottos and mantras and proverbial sayings are around for a while, there's an element of truth in it. And I believe this one has a lot of truth. Now, this one is not to be confused with the modern one that I grew up hearing, no pain. Yeah. I think that one works great in the weight room. Remember, coaches would yell this, no pain, no gain. And so indicating that if you didn't push past that point of discomfort, you weren't going to make gains. Now, and that can apply to some areas of life, but I like this one better. Nothing ventured. In other words, if I don't step out, if I don't take an action step, then I'm not going to see the results. And so that's, a, that's more of a timeless proverb, action steps. So I want to talk about some of those today, taking action steps, taking action steps with God. And uh, I've got a couple of quotes here about action. I thought they were good. Both of them happened to be from uh, British statesmen. One was Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said, I never worry about action, but only inaction. Winston Churchill was somebody who understood how the pain of inaction had gotten England into a very difficult place with Germany during World War II. Uh, England stood by and did nothing for a while, and Germany continued to flex its muscles. And so he said, I don't worry about action, only inaction. Reminds me of a, a, a man who was a big game hunter. His name was Ben. He uh, loved to go on safaris, and his wife was always asking if she could go. He never took her, till one day she just shamed him into it. So he took his wife and her mother on a big game safari down to Botswana. Things were going as well as can be expected until one night, Ben was awakened by his wife, shaking him in a panic. And she said, Ben, wake up. She said, mother is missing. I went to her tent, she's missing. Ben, we've got to go find her. So Ben grudgingly gets up and puts his clothes on, his boots on, gets his rifle and his flashlight and they go out into the bush. And as they rounded a, a, a clearing, they saw a, a bone chilling sight. The mother-in-law was backed up against some real impenetrable bush and facing her just nose to nose was this huge African male lion. And Ben's wife looked at him and she goes, Ben, what are we going to do? And Ben said, nothing. He said, that lion got himself into that mess <laughs> and that lion can get himself out of that mess. I never worry about action, but only inaction. Winston Churchill. Here's a, the next one. Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. That's an interesting one. That's Benjamin Disraeli. He was a British statesman, prime minister. Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. 
And then maybe the most famous action quote of our generation, just do it, Nike. Maybe one of the most famous brand names. So Jesus actually was action-oriented. And we'll see in the kingdom of God, it's oriented toward action, has a bias towards action. Jesus really defined this very clearly in, in Luke when he was talking to them about, um, and it really wasn't a parable, he was, he was giving them a metaphor here. He said, whoever comes to me, Jesus, and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood, ar flood arose and the stream beat vehemently, we don't use that word a lot, but that means really hard, against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So Jesus was really putting an emphasis on action. He said both men came to him. Both men heard what Jesus said. One of them acted upon it. He said, in acting upon it, I'm going to show you he's like, he's like someone who's building a house with a solid foundation. And when the storms of life would come, that's, that's a foundation that's going to stand. I've heard people say over the years, well, Jesus is the rock. Well, he is the rock, yes, he is the rock of our salvation for everyone who will receive him as their salvation. Many people have heard of Jesus, they know of Jesus. Maybe they grew up listening and hearing stories about Jesus, but he doesn't become the rock of their salvation until they make that step of faith and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in what you've done. So in other words, Jesus was putting the emphasis not just on hearing the word, but putting his words into practice, into life, taking action steps. He said that's what becomes the solid foundation. A, a pastor named Charles Neiman, who's out in El Paso, wrote a book back in the 80s. And I remember reading in this book when he, he said he was living, Charles said he was living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area when the state fair came. And he went to the state fair, and there was a guy in the state fair who had memorized the entire Bible in King James. And so he was running one of these little carnival tricks where you put your $5 down and you would give him a verse and he would quote it verbatim. If he missed a word, then you got double your money. So you put your five, you get a 10. But if, you, if he got it, he would take your five. And uh, Charles said, man, in Dallas, they've got Bible schools, and schools of theology. And so these Bible, all these Bible students were coming up. They're going to win some money. And they were bringing out, they're not bringing out John 3.16. <laughs> they're going way back and they're bringing up books like Nahum. That's in the Bible. <laughs> Nahum and Obadiah. And then the real slick ones would ask him verses that weren't in the Bible. Like Obadiah 22. And he would look at them and go, there is no Obadiah 22, and he'd take your five. I knew y'all knew that there was no Obadiah 22, but <laughs> he said this guy was amazing. He knew he had memorized the entire Bible, but Charles spent some time and talked with him. The night he met him, Charles said his, his arm was in a cast because he'd been in a fight. His wife had left him because of a drinking problem, and he was broke. Now, this is a guy who knew the entire Bible who could quote any verse. But how many of you know it's not just what you know, it's what you do. And so Jesus put the emphasis on the action. Nothing ventured, nothing gained.
In the scriptures, there's a great story about action steps, and I, and I love this story. It's the story of four men who had leprosy that were outside of the city of Samaria. Samaria was a walled city, and the Syrian army had come, and they had camped around the city of Samaria, and the Syrian army had, had besieged it to the point where no one could come in or, come, or go out. And the, the situation in the city had become so dire that they had actually resorted to cannibalism. It's bad. And these lepers were outside the city. Inside the city, they were actually eating, they were eating dung and eating each other's children. It was that bad. And so in, in the middle of that situation, the, these lepers begin to look at their situation. So here the, here's the city, here are the lepers, and surrounding them is the Syrian army. See what happens here, book of 2 Kings. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate of the Samaria, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is, day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait till morning light, some punishment will come to us. Now, therefore, come, let us go tell the king's household. These guys ask an interesting question. They were looking at their situation and they realized that doing nothing was not a safe place. They said, why are we sitting here until we die? So basically, we're just waiting to die. If we go into the city, there's no food there. We're going to die. If we stay here, we die. And so they assessed their situation, and they looked at it. And so then they, they took some action steps towards a possible solution. Now, when they said, hey, we're going to go to the Syrian camp, there was a risk associated with that. They're venturing. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So they said, we're going we're to make an action step. And, and then it, it has risk involved, but it also has possibilities involved. So they said, hey, they, they may feel sorry for us. They may keep us alive. And so they said, we're going to go to the camp. So we're not in a safe place if we do nothing. So here's the best option that we have. We're going we're to take a, a step. And what's beautiful is God worked with their steps. They started making steps to go there. And they, they took a step in that direction. And God actually amplified the sound of their steps and made it sound like a, an army was coming. Scared those Syrians to death. I mean, they're looking at one another going, all, the, all these armies are coming against us. He calls four, four men to sound like an army coming their way. I'm going to tell you something. God can take small things and make something big out of them. But what he does is he worked with their action steps. He, man, these guys... 
All of a sudden, they hear armies coming. They had to be scared. They left everything behind. They left their wallets, their iPads, everything. They just left it and ran out of the tents. They're gone. And they go in and they, they begin to, to find it. But God worked with their steps. If you think about it, God's always done that. Remember, he told Moses, stretch out your rod. He told Joshua, march around the city. He told Jehoshaphat, go down to meet the army. And as they went down, they were praising God. God set an ambushment. He told, Jesus told Peter, throw out your net. He told the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. What's he doing? God works with our action steps. He gives God something to work with. And oftentimes you see that. So here these guys take steps and God worked with them and worked amazing miracles and wonderful things happened. But the, just as a side note, they were also smart because when they got there and they, they hid some clothes and put some food away and, and then they looked around at one another and go, okay, all right, we can't keep doing this. In other words, we can't hoard the blessings for ourselves. Anytime God blesses you, it's not just for you, it's for you to be a blessing to someone else. And they took that and they went back to the, to the kings, they went back to Samaria and they said, hey, y'all need to come on out here. It's lottery time, baby, we won it. And, and the famine was over and God did an amazing thing. God works with steps, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So what about you? How about venturing and gaining? How, how do you do that? I think one of the, the first things we have to do is recognize that, that we can't buy into the false security of inaction. The false security of doing nothing. And we have to actually weigh the risk of what if we do nothing versus the risk of what if we make some kind of move, an action step. What if we do something? When Joe and I were at Lakewood years and years ago, back in the, uh, back in the 80s, we did a, a singles class, and we had a, a large singles class on Friday night. And I don't know what got into me, but one, I guess I'd, I'd listened to enough and counseled with enough about relationships. These are all, these are all people, and all, the, all these relationships were going on. So I finally stood up and said, okay, guys. I said, y'all need to stop building air castles. You need to figure out whether this relationship is going somewhere or whether it's not going somewhere. Now, this is... This is typical of my 25-year-old bluntness at the time. But I, I just told them, I said, hey, you need to find, because what happened was you had some, you had one on one side of the relationship and thought it was working toward marriage. And the one on the other side of the relationship thought, no, we're just only in the friend zone and this isn't going anywhere at all. And so I said, you need to find out. You need to, where is this relationship going? Our phone blew up at home. This is before cell phones. And the phone at home was blowing up and people leaving messages. And it was, of course, it was my fault. And it's like, hey, we all broke up and we broke up. And, and I find, I'm having to get back on the phone and go, hey, listen, wouldn't you rather find out now instead of spending two years of your life investing in something that you don't think is, that you don't know if it's going anywhere? I said, you take the risk when you say, hey, where's this relationship going, man? We had breakups all over the place. It, it was, it, it was. <laughs> But the idea is you, you, you have to take the risk. Sometimes, sometimes if we think, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Well, not doing anything is not a safe place. If I don't do anything, I'm at, Alan, I've got marriage problems. Well, you can just sit there and hope that something, you know, that the Lord sprinkles magic fairy dust on you and all of a sudden it gets better. Or you can say, I'm going to do something. You know, we have, we, have class, we have counseling on Tuesday night. We have marriage classes. We can, we can do something. We say, well, what if I take a risk and it doesn't work out? Well, if you don't do anything, it's not going to work out. So wise man, take the risk. Just, just... 
biggest question on the internet right now and to the website Quora. I asked, I asked the first service, I said, Quora, I think it's Q-U-O-R-A. I said, might, nobody knew how to pronounce it. It's Quora, right? Thank you, I knew y'all would. All right, so <laughs> biggest question. What do you think it is? How to get rich? No. How to invest all the money the government's giving me? No. <laughs> How to get over COVID? No. The biggest question on, on Quora is, how can I tell if she likes me? <laughs> now, this, they said that the majority of people asking this question, they're, they're, 20, they're in, men in their 20s. How can I tell if she likes me? Well, then you've got people my age getting on, but they're not gracious at all. They're like, well, just ask her out, stupid. <laughs> but, but the idea is, the thing is, no one wants to be able to take that risk. And so to, to do nothing, maybe if I do nothing, something's going to happen. No, be, be willing to take a risk. What action step can you take? So that's a good question. What can I do about my situation? I've got a difficult situation at home. What can I do? What action step can you take? Can I get help at the church? Can we get counseling? My, my child's having a problem in school. What can I do? Can I talk to the school? What, what can I do? What action step? But here's what, here's what helps you. Action helps combat despair. Sometimes you're, you're just like, I just don't know, and there's, there's nothing going on, and you're sitting there, and you're so frustrated, and, and nothing's happening, and you're just so under despair. What can you do? My daughter, Christina, when she, uh, she got a job, she worked a good job, she's working in Houston, and uh, she, she was part of the church, but she kept complaining. She's in her 20s at this time, and she kept complaining that there was, there's just no good men out there. Don't amen that, just look straight ahead. She, she said, there's no good men out there. And she would come home. She would go up to her room and there was nobody out there and nobody was calling and nobody was coming around. So I, uh, I took action. I signed her up for a Christian dating service. Don't judge me. Listen to me just for a second. Here was my thought process. I signed her up for a Christian mingle. Anyone ever heard of Christian mingle? I signed her up for a Christian mingle. Now, here was my thought. I didn't know if she would meet her. Some people have met online. I've done marriages of people who've met online. That's, what, that's not what I was thinking. What I wanted her to see was there actually were good men out there that she could at least, it would expand some of the possibilities for her. And that she would, could, so it actually became the greatest source of entertainment for us as a family. <laughs> she would come home, we'd wait for her, she'd get online and we'd start, we'd start going through people. I answered most all of the questions for her. <laughs> we had a great time with that. But here's what it did. It, what it did was it gave her something to do that there was somebody out there. You say, well, did she marry some? No, she dated some and man, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> But the deal was, at least it gave her that there were some expanded possibilities. Action overcomes despair. So I'm like, I, don't, I need another job. Redo your resume. Send it out there. 
Start talking to someone. Don't just sit there and just wait for something to happen. Say, well, Alan, I'm, I'm a Christian. Shouldn't I be waiting on God? Listen, there's always action steps you can take with God. Say, always? Always. Let me give you one. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Put it right, leave it there. Be anxious for nothing. So instead of being nervous about it, I'm going to pray about it. That's an action step. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Asking God for his help, that's an action step. With thanksgiving. So I'm thanking him that he's going to help me. That's an action step. Not going to be anxious. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to thank God. Listen, you, when you do that, what do you do? It. You're giving God something to work with. Say, well, God knows my, he knows what's going on. But the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So what have you got to look? Well, what if it doesn't happen? What if I don't get my prayers answered? What if you do? And if you don't, don't assume that God missed it. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do here? At least get a dialogue going. Don't just sit there and wait for some day to happen. And give God something to work with. A lot of times, man, we think we're waiting on God and he's waiting on us. So, Alan, how would you know that? Because I did that. When I came back after my first church attempt at a church failed and I'm working in sales, I kept turning down jobs because I told them I'm, I'm going into the ministry. I'm going into the ministry. Worked for them for years. And, and finally, it got back to me. I was talking to a colleague and the colleague quoted what my sales manager said. He said, yeah, yeah, so-and-so, who's your sales manager, said, Alan's always going into the ministry. And I remember when he said it. I remember it stung me. Not because it's unkind. You know, sometimes people can say something that's just nasty. And it just hurts you. You're like, no, oh, you didn't need to say that. But then sometimes people can say something and it stings because it's true. <laughs> Trust me, I live with joy. And I, I, I remember I'm, I'm driving home and, and from, from Kingwood and I'm driving home and going, Alan's always going into the ministry. I wouldn't take that step. You know, I kept waiting and praying for a, a church to open up, a, a church who could use such a wonderful pastor as myself. <laughs> a church that had about 300 people and a building and a staff and someone who's just waiting for me to come and take it. And finally I realized... I, boy, I asked, I sent out resumes, I did everything, and I had more doors closed. No, 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 no. Give you a complex. So I finally just said, Lord, I guess you want me to start a church. That's the first step. So I said, okay. I didn't do anything. And then in January of 1996, Martin Verrett said, can we have, Martin Verrett's one of our board members, he's our architect, did this building. He said, can we uh, have breakfast? We went to the IHOP. He, uh, he looked at me, he said, you know, Alan, he said, the Lord put it on my heart that I'm supposed to be part of a new work and part of a church plan. I've looked around. He said, I can't find any that I really fit with. He said, are you supposed to be starting a church? I thought to myself, oh Lord, that's not even fair. You're now telling other people and it's, <laughs> oh man. And so I said, yeah, yeah. And so we started making plans, had two other couples, they were coming with us, we're praying, we're praying, we're, we're praying, we're praying, I ain't doing anything. 
And uh, so I'm driving up to Huntsville one, one day. I had to make a sales call up there. I'm driving up to Huntsville. This is back when cell phone uh, phone calls could be expensive. Somebody, you remember those days? Back, you could get some huge cell phone bills. So I'm driving up there, and uh, Joy called me. And man, she raked me over the coals in her sweet, kind Joy way. She, and I, I remember hearing this going, wow, and I am paying for this. She, she, uh, she said, Alan, she said, you remind me of a child who's sitting by the side of the pool. You're watching everybody else swim and you won't get in the water. Why don't you just get in the water? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> but it's, it's the push I needed. And I, I went back to the group and I said, we're starting June 2nd. I, we weren't ready. We had no live worship. We had no music. We, had to, we, we, we didn't even have a nursery. So we outsourced a nursery. I hired people to come in and do the nursery. We weren't ready, but I needed to take a step. So much of the time, we think we're waiting on God. He's waiting on us. And just taking that, taking that one step, that was it. Listen, guys, the kingdom of God is an action-oriented kingdom. Fight the good fight of faith. It's action. Give, and it will be given to you. That's action. And then one of my favorite action steps that we could take anytime we want, it's found in Thessalonians, where it says, pray, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, that's an act. You say, well, that's not action. Yes, it is. When you walk out of here, maybe on a Tuesday morning or Wednesday afternoon when nothing else is going on, you say, Lord, I just rejoice in you. You are my God. And I'm so grateful for you. And you're praying, so you're rejoicing always. You're praying, you're talking to him. Pray without ceasing doesn't mean quit your job. It just means you're talking to the Lord. And you're talking to him, and then you're giving thanks. You're staying thankful. Those are action steps. They may not seem like much, but it's better than sitting quietly waiting for life to, to, to just pour in on you. I don't, have, I don't want to sit quietly, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I want to venture out and trust God. I want to venture out and tell him I love him. I want to venture out and tell him, God, I'm going with you and wherever you go, I'm going. Let's go. And so I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to give thanks and I'm going to be glad. And that is something ventured, something gained. There's a lady by the name of Norma Brinkley. She's 82 years old. She has an adult son who, needs a, who needed a kidney transplant. This was in 2018. Norma, Norma Brink, Brinky, Brinky is her name, Norma Brinky. And Norma, 82. You know, you're 82. It's about time you want to chill, you want to relax. She didn't. She realized there's 121,000 people on waiting in lines for kidneys. And they keep adding thousands every month. So Norma got a sign, put it in the back of her car that said, my son needs a kidney, O positive, and her phone number. And she drove around Columbus, Ohio. People picked up on that story, and I think she talked with some major news agencies, and I think they were talking with her. They asked her how it was going. She said, well, she said, I'm just getting organized. She said, I'm starting to make all the callbacks. She said, uh, some people don't answer. She said, but I got 20 people who are in the testing phase. She said, I'm on a mission. I like, man, you got to like that 82-year-old mama because she loves her boy, who's probably my age, young, but there. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but she's getting out there and doing something. 
She's not just sitting back. She's taking an action step. Nothing ventured. Nothing gained. And aren't you glad for a mama's love like that? But then I thought about her. I thought, aren't you glad we got a God who was not willing to sit back and watch a lost world stay lost? We got a God who said, I'm going to send my son and I'm going to send him. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God ventured, we gained. Would you bow your head for a moment? If you're here today and you say, you know what, Alan, I've never made Jesus Christ my Lord or I, 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 I'm not sure. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I did this years ago. Maybe you're watching online, but I've gotten away from God and I know it. We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to give you an action step right here. You say, you know what? I want to make sure that I'm right with God. I want to, or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Shoot your hand up real quick just across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate your courage. I got you way in the back. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Wonderful. It's a wonderful action step. Now here's the next one. We're going to, we're going to pray. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. Listen, you can still jump in on this because it's not just in lifting your hand. We're going to say that prayer. We're going to to pray it with you so you can join us. If you're watching online, you can pray this. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. If you're here, pray it so you can hear it. We're going to join you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those who had the courage to make that step towards you. You made the first step, we make second. But Lord, thank you for those who've come to you and for those who've come back. We rejoice with them. Their eternity certainly has changed and so is their life down here. And we give you all the praise for that. Father, for the rest of us, show us any areas where we've just sat there and been inactive where we can make a step towards you because a step towards you gives you something to work with. And we thank you for that. Thank you that you're an action-oriented God and we're your children. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.